no one has a life. That's just the unfortunate reality of being alive. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Anyway, um, how's it going? Any fun oh, news? It's great. I don't know. I went to the dentist again. Uh, Was I did this... stuff to my mouth. I think it feels better, but I'm not 100% sure. Did he have like a toothache or something? Yeah, because I got four fillings because mm. my teeth are rotten garbage. <laughs> and, and then, like, one was hurting every time I, like, bit something hard. Um, um, so then I had to go back and they, like, shaved it down a little bit. I don't really know. They're like, well, if it still hurts in two weeks, come back. <laughs> like, great. This is my favorite place to be. I love the dentist. That's fun. Yeah, no, I. Can't do the dentist. I, I have a really great dentist here that will prescribe me um, Halcyon before I go, which, like, I'm completely out of it. Like, the moment I get there, he lets me put on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and then I have no idea what happened. That's so funny. I've actually never seen the end of that movie. Um, I've, like, watched it, like, four times, but I've just never seen the end. He gets away with it. That's, that's <laughs> what I figured. Yeah, he gets away with it. Um, it's a really Spoilers. good movie. I watch it multiple times a year. I watch it like once a year. I have a few movies that I watch like once a year. Saving Private Ryan, because I love war. <laughs> uh, isn't that like the really gory, violent one? Yeah, I can't. It's, it's such a good movie. <laughs> I feel that way. I feel that way about um, The Boys. Did you watch the new? The new season? No, not yet. Well, they only put the first three episodes no but. i haven't watched yet i i drill we're, we're like going back and forth he kind of wants to watch it now but i'm like no because then like i'll get through part of the episodes and then i'm gonna like be mad that i have to wait a week um so, so you're just gonna wait till they all come out yeah and just torture myself all at once <sighs> well i guess i won't tell you what happens then but it's the same thing where it's just like so incredibly violent and horrible and I'm like how on earth I literally when I was a child mm-hmm. I guess not, in high school like I would leave the room whenever our teachers played anything that had like any sort of blood in it mm-hmm. be, our teachers would be like oh we're watching um an episode of house today I'd be like I need to leave because <laughs> I'm gonna feel House. lightheaded if I see blood um I get that I so I I don't handle any of that stuff well. So I find myself with my eyes closed a lot and my like hands over my ears, even if it's just something visual, because I'm like, well, I might be able to hear <laughs> how awful it is, and I just you know I he, my husband has a signal to let me know <laughs> if it's clear for me to start looking again. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So we all need a drill in our lives. Exactly. Um, now that my anxiety is treated and I don't have as many panic attacks, I can watch things with blood and oh, be you should, okay. You should get on the Grey's Anatomy train. You've got 20 long seasons. To... I did. I did watch Grey's Anatomy. Really? I think I fell off whenever... I think I watched all the ones that they had on like Netflix or Hulu or whatever Interesting. You don't was. strike me as a Grey's Anatomy person. I just recently watched it. Okay. It was like within the last three years. And it was okay, but... Then it was just like, well, everybody's dead. Everybody that's, in this hospital dies. Point. It's also kind of like, hmm, everybody keeps dying here. Maybe don't accept a job here. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm like, after a while, wouldn't they be like, 
this hospital is cursed. I don't know. I'm really like a Scrubs girl too. So like if I have to watch a medical show, like it's going to be that one. That's like probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time. <laughs> I um, I watched Scrubs a little bit uh, as, a, as a ute, um, but um, wasn't really too big of a fan, I think. But back then, I didn't really care for comedy. And now I'm, my my heart is lightening up a little bit, and I <laughs> find things funny. So maybe I need to just give it another whirl. Um, cool. Well, I have a case that is quite the doozy today. I'm ready for it. It's actually between two cases, and so typically when that happens, um, I go to Jarrell and I'm like, I have two cases, so like, which one should I do? And so I told him both. And like the first one, he was like, mm. The second one, he was like, that's juicy. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Juicy? Um, I doubt he said that word, uh, but <laughs> that's how I paraphrase it. He also apparently has a... Um, Note like in his phone of like a list of cases for us to do that I've never seen. Oh, I don't know how he plans on us doing these cases. What? No one knows about them. Send them to <laughs> like, me. He's literally like, whenever you're looking for a case, just let me know. And I'm like, um, but why not always. just tell me? <laughs> like literally, literally every week. Every week I'm googling like woman crime right, and then, random, like, random words like state. murder <laughs> blue. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Natalie. Welcome to Pink Collar, a true crime podcast focusing on crimes committed exclusively by women. Each week, we'll be bringing you a brand new case focusing on the psychology behind these crimes and advocating for early intervention. Please subscribe on your preferred podcasting platform and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. For every review, we will donate a dollar to the National Center for Victims of Crime. But yeah, so this, uh, actually, the case that I was planning on doing, we may, I guess, cover one day. It was, like, a nurse who gave a patient the wrong dose by accident. Oh, Rhonda Vaught? Yeah. I was like, maybe. But then I was like, oh, it seems kind of short. Maybe we'd have to do a, a couple cases. But Oh, no, I feel like that would be really... I've actually been... Uh, I started listening to a podcast called Good Nurse, Bad Nurse. That mm-hmm. has, and the Prosecutor's Podcast actually did, like, multiple episodes on... Redonda Vaught. Mm. So I'm actually that's maybe I'll I'll do that one if you didn't do too I feel much like research, I have personal but. issues though with her name, but I'm trying not to be judgmental. <laughs> she didn't do it to herself. Um ultimately I ended up going with the case of Caitlin Conley, which I think is relatively known. Um I've only I as everyone knows, I'm not a true crime fan. Therefore I know I knew like very little about it and I would hear like bits and pieces i think hillary burton who one of the greatest actresses of all time from one of the greatest television shows of all time one tree hill she played peyton sawyer um she i was like who are you talking about okay now i know (laughs) hillary burton morgan hello um she i recall once upon a time her posting on instagram about this case um and i guess she did some sort of crime show um that covered this case maybe like something where she went to like small town ta- small towns where big crimes happened um mm-hmm. how catchy um and so i'm doing that case i'm doing the case of caitlin conley um so let's dive in we start with mary yoder i actually really like the last name yoder and it's because do you remember the movie 
um, oh, Miracle in Lane 6. <laughs> Is that like a bowling movie? No, it was like a Disney Channel movie. It was like boxcar, like derby racing. And um, what's his name? Malcolm in the Middle. Um, Frankie Frank Muniz played, played a boy who was a paraplegic, but he wanted to drive like he wanted to do derby racing or boxcar racing, whatever it's called. Um, blah, 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 blah. Last name was Yoder. And I always had a very warm place in my heart for it. Back to this. <laughs> do you think they're related? <laughs> Maybe. I'm kidding. Justin Yoder, where are you? That was it based on a true story? Yes. Wait, it was? Yes. Oh. Okay, then it, it could be. It is a real person. I'm like, look, Justin Yoder who's the first child with a disability to drive a soapbox in the American Soapbox Derby. There you go. Hope you're doing well. He's only 35, so... <laughs> anyway. Okay, so Mary Yoder, she um, was a 60-year-old mom, married mom of three. She was a chiropractor, and she ran a chiropractic office with her husband, Bill, in, like, White Horse, New York. White shoe, white something, New York. Why did I write down the plates? Whitesboro, New York. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so she ran a chiropractic office with Bill in Whitesboro. Um, she had a very active and healthy lifestyle. Um, and then bad things happened. And so this is mostly based off of like news reports that seem to be going along with the prosecution's kind of version of events. Um, and I watched a 15 minute video on A&E, like uh, on A&E's YouTube channel that details uh, this case as well. And so I'll include that link for you too, if you want to hear it from uh, people who were actually involved. From um, the white horse's mouth. From the white horse's mouth. <laughs> um, so on July 20th, 2015, uh, Mary was set to have lunch with her mom, but when she got there, her mom had already eaten, and so Mary was like, I guess I'm going to go back to work. Okay, bye, mom, and didn't have lunch with her mom. Instead, according to prosecutors, Mary went back to the office and she just had a protein shake for lunch, um, which is something that she did all the time. And soon after having said protein shake, she started feeling ill. Um, and at first, she thought it was just a stomach ache. Um, her husband, Bill, said that she had called him and said that. Um, like not don't worry about you know making dinner for me or getting dinner ready for me my stomach's upset like i'm just not gonna have dinner tonight not feeling well great whatever um and so she goes home that night and things progressively just got worse and so throughout the night um that stomach ache progressed to vomiting and diarrhea and so the next morning um, according to the video I feel like they used like a very powerful word like emaciated or something um, like she just was like not doing well that mm -hmm. next morning and so Bill drove her to the hospital and Mary was admitted for observation doctors were unsure what was wrong with her but in the next two days that she was there she went into cardiac arrest multiple times and she ultimately her body became too weak and you know cardiac arrest does what it does and she unfortunately died on mm -hmm. july 22nd two days after the initial stomach symptoms began 
And so doctors were confused. Um, she seemed healthy enough when she was admitted that they didn't expect that it would take such a left turn um, and that she wouldn't be walking out of the hospital. Um, an autopsy revealed that Mary's organs were in really bad shape. According to one article, um, it, it was described like her organs were what you would expect to see somebody who died following intense chemotherapy treatment. And so, of course, that makes you wonder what was introduced into the body that possibly caused such a rapid decline and such damage to um, somebody's organs. And so, of course, the medical examiner examiner started to wonder if Mary might have been poisoned. Um, And so her body had already been cremated and so they had to rely on a remaining vial of blood i think there was like one vial of blood left and so um that was all that they had to test um it against different chemicals wow they cremated her quickly you would think there would be a little bit more of an investigation you know i some people have their own little religious practices i don't know well we just we know the husband didn't do it because <laughs> <laughs> this is about Caitlin Conley. Um, yeah, I yeah I don't know. Um, but well, I will say the spouse this, I think has power over what happens to the body typically mm-hmm. or like close family members. That's why I was yeah. I also. Um, like I don't really write in the timeline um, very much here, but I will say it goes like these. The idea, I, I guess, I'm not. I I'm not super clear exactly on when. Like it was like, hmm, let's start testing for poison. Um, mm-hmm. I do know that at a certain point they're like, we don't have any. Like we only have this one vial of blood. But by the mm-hmm. time they finally kind of figure out what was going on or what possibly happened it was november and so that's quite a few (laughs) months between you know july and november um and so yeah so they test the usual suspects cyanide arsenic they were ruled out not the cause of um mary's death was it thc no Uh, (laughs) um thc (laughs) does become relevant later on (laughs) not the same but not the same sorry um and so eventually a test for a chemical called colchicine came back positive there were lethal levels of colchicine which is a medication uh used to treat gout um found in mary's system my dad had gout you you've had gout no my dad had gout oh yeah i hear it's painful I don't know if that's something you wanted to share with the world. It was just his foot. That's usually where it is. Yeah, it was not a good time from, from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, I hope you're doing better, um, sir. Nice to meet you. <laughs> anyway, uh, so now it was kind of clear to investigators, especially now that they had a name for what was introduced into the body, this was a murder, right? They have to solve a murder. It's a whodunit now. And so in November of 2015, the police and um, a, the coroner received an anonymous letter. And so this anonymous letter basically described in detail that the person who poisoned Mary was her youngest son, Adam, Adam Yoder. Um, and it even instructed them exactly where they, where they could find the vial of the remaining colchicine. And so investigators asked Adam to come in, um, 
they start asking him questions. Where were you? Did you like your mom? Like that sort of stuff. Um, and he is like, I have an alibi. I was visiting my sister in Long Island. And he even um, had uh, like those toll pass like receipts to show mm-hmm. that he was in fact nowhere near um, Whitesboro at like when Mary was allegedly poisoned. Um, and so they were like, all right, well, you know, do you mind if we search your truck? And he's like, sure. I mean, I didn't do anything. I don't know why you want to search my truck, but sure, search my truck. Um, and they go and they search and they find the vial wrapped in cardboard packaging and a receipt alongside it hidden underneath the passenger seat of the car. Apparently, Adam was shocked. He had a cigarette in his mouth and it fell out. Like, he was like, what the heck? Like, why is this here? (laughs) Um, And so the receipt that they found listed the chiropractic clinic as the shipping address. The recipient on it was listed as Adam Yoder. And the email email address was... Emu. the email address was Mr. Adam Yoder, nineteen ninety at gmail dot com. Um, and so Adam was shocked, hadn't seen that before, and he was like, "That is not my email address." Um, and so police were kind of like, "Hmm, he clearly has an alibi. All of this is a little too easy. Like, we got this anonymous letter telling us exactly where to look. It has his name on it. Like, would the person buying the poison put their name on the shipping stuff? Maybe not. And so they're thinking Adam was being framed. And so kind of like what you... Um, well, I don't know. You didn't exactly say this. But in in cases like these, um, the first and often most li- likely suspects are the people closest to the victim, as we've seen time and time again, um, and in, like, last week's case. Um, and so police were wondering if Bill, uh, Mary's husband and Adam's dad, may have been trying to set his son up for whatever reason, um, and that he actually was the one who killed Mary, who purchased the colchicine and hid it in... Um, Adam's car and sent the anonymous letter. Adam said that there was no way that his dad would do something like that. Um, the police needed to know more. And so they turned to the office manager of Bill and Mary's chiropractic office, 22-year-old Caitlin Conley. Um, so Caitlin, who was in an on-again, off-again relationship with Adam had both a personal and professional relationship with the family. And so um, the investigators figured that she may have some like meaningful insight that she could share both about maybe business practices um, or, you know, just family dynamics. Um, She was not being looked at. How is Caitlin spelled? K-A-I-T-L-Y-N. Don't spoil the case. Don't spoil the case. No, 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 no. I was just wondering... (laughs) Well, I was writing it down so I okay. could write a description, and then I was just curious, because I feel like there's all different types of ways you could spell Caitlyn, and I feel like people's personalities differ based, based on... Based off of how it's spelled. What do you think is... Spelled. What do you think, um, if someone's name was Caitlyn, and you were like, there's no way that they could have committed murder, what would their name spelling be? <laughs> I think it would start with a C. Uh, C seems more innocent. Because it's round... Yeah, probably. <laughs> and K, you know, if you have too many Ks, you can get yourself in trouble. Oh my gosh. 
Moving I, on. It, I was just... I was just curious. Caitlyn Jenner is a C, and she's not very nice. Um, so Yeah, but she, like, chose that way. True. Was Good it point. keeping to her at birth, so... Maybe she was choosing it to... Well, yeah, didn't she specific... People are saying that she specifically went with the C spelling to, like, clap back at the Kardashians. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> anyway, so the police asked Caitlin about Bill. Tell us about your boss, Bill. Could he have done this to Mary? We need to know more. And just like Adam, Caitlin was like, I don't think Bill would hurt Mary. But she starts telling investigators about someone else's behavior that has been a little suspect to her or suspicious to her, um, Adam. And so she starts saying things like, I'm nervous about telling you this and I'm scared of what he might do and blah, 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 which were things that were actually alluded to in the letter. Like in the letter, it said stuff like, I'm writing this letter anonymously because I'm scared of what would happen if, like, he knew I was saying something and, like, stuff like that. And so it was, like, pretty clear at this point to police that, like, Caitlin probably wrote this anonymous letter. And so they asked her. She doesn't say no. And so they do their police thing where they ask you the same thing 50,000 times until they wear you down. And sometimes it's ethical. Sometimes it's not. Um, And ultimately, she finally admits that she did write the letter. And just like that, Caitlin went from being a witness to primary suspect number one. And so uh, there were a couple smoking guns uh, that I, that seemed to have been identified by investigators as like the aha that Caitlin clearly did this. And so um, one of those was that the police searched her phone and the Mr. Adam Yoder 1990 um, at Gmail email address was on Caitlin's phone. Um, the second one was that they found her DNA on the cardboard packaging that the colchicine bottle um, was found like wrapped in, um, hidden in Adam's car. And so all of the evidence was circumstantial, but nearly a year after Mary uh, was killed, Caitlin Conley was charged and arrested for the murder of Mary Yoder. During the investigation, investigators traced the anonymous letter to a computer in the chi- in the chiropractic office um, and things were just kind of backed up in a specific way that they were able to go in and actually find different iterations of the letter and like the virgin hi- version history and like the first final version was different than what was ultimately um like mailed in to the police in the coroner's office and so they could kind of see like how the story I guess developed for whomever wrote the letter um they also looked into the purchase of the colchicine it was purchased from a company called art chemicals and in order for the purchase to be finalized the company had to actually speak to somebody from the chiropractic office to uh, finish processing the order and so they were actually able to track down the art chemicals representative who processed the order and that person said that they spoke to a woman with a soft spoken voice um, to finalize the purchase of the colchicine um and going back to the mr adam yoder 1990 at gmail.com email address 
Um, that was probably the biggest and most damning piece of evidence in the case for um, for against Caitlin. Um, prosecutors say that they were able to access like the records of that email address and that any time the email address was accessed, it was on a phone that or it was on a device rather that was connected to Caitlin Conley or Caitlin Conley's phone. Wow, your phones really do be stalking you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so prosecutors argued that Caitlin decided that if she couldn't have Adam, she would take the person that he loved the most, his mom. <sighs> Sad. Um, and so Caitlin's defense seemed to argue that the prosecution was only offering circumstantial evidence and hadn't done their due, di- due diligence in proving um, guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, I read other kind of pieces that... I think the uh, that her defense brought in at different points was which was like potential like instability in the marriage between Mary and Bill potentially pointing finger at Bill um, these different things but it seems um, in the video uh, that I that is going to be linked in the description um, Caitlin's defense attorney also is on that and like his main kind of thing is this is all circumstantial. They created a really great story, but there's actually not any how, hard proof. How is it just circum... I don't know. I guess when does... Like, is everything circumstantial unless you see someone, like, stabbing someone else with a knife? I think so. Because... I think it. I think the idea the is... DNA on the package? Like, well, so I talk about the DNA on the packaging, and the rationale is... Well, it was delivered to the office, and she's the office manager who literally gets all packages. True. So it's like, could it she like it's her like her DNA it. is not on the bottle; it's on the packaging. She didn't make Mary a shake that day, like you know, just like different kind of things. It's like the 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 biggest thing that I think is just hard for her defense to um, defend or come up with an alternate explanation Mm -hmm. is the email address right like why is it only connected to caitlin's phone or caitlin's devices that i think is the hardest thing um even in terms of the writing of the anonymous letter any like it's not like caitlin was the only person who worked there her husband or you know bill worked there adam Mm -hmm. had access everyone who worked there had access to different computers that were it's not like it was like oh it's logged in to caitlin's personal account on the system so mm-hmm. i think that's oh, um that's uh, reasonable yeah so um at trial the jury actually agreed um or i guess not necessarily agreed but um they weren't able to reach a verdict they couldn't agree was she guilty was she not we don't know some people say yes some people say no ultimately a mistrial was declared and so prosecutors quickly initiated a new trial um the next trial started six months later during that time investigators searched adam's laptop which had a backup of caitlin's phone on that backup they found um searches for how to kill someone how to kill someone with colchicine how to kill someone with mariotter's weight with colchicine <laughs> um they found notes that were allegedly written by caitlin on her phone that said things like under seat and other stuff that helped the prosecution paint a picture that like 
she would have ideas about like oh what to do next like oh mm. here's a detail to put in the anonymous letter or here's where i should hide this and would like make little notes to herself um and they also found the password for the adam yoder 1990 email address which was adam is gay and so in the video the A&E video they feel strongly that only a scorned ex-girlfriend would use that as an email address password um I don't know I have no strong opinions um and so that's just like the dumbest thing ever I'm sorry (laughs) um the second trial lasted uh three weeks and this time the jury came back with a guilty verdict and Caitlin was sentenced to 23 years in prison. Um, and she'll ultimately be eligible for parole in 2037. Um, the YouTube comments on that AE video seem to feel that 23 years is not enough for this crime. Um, what say you? I'm not done, by the way. I have more. But what do you think? <laughs> I mean, I take her age into account you said she was 21 years old 22 yeah 22 that's still very young but if someone were to have killed my mother i probably would not be super happy about them being out of prison ever so i don't know (laughs) um I feel that. You know how, like, there'll be videos where it'll be like, oh, this person killed this person's son. And then, like, at trial, like, the father would be like, he would want me to forgive you, and I forgive you. Ha! Um, no. Jarrell has very specific instructions. He's like, be true to who I am. Don't, don't, <laughs> do not forgive them. <laughs> like, to ask them to like, give them the electric chair. I would never do that because I don't believe in the death penalty. But, um, I, I kind of, I don't know, I feel, to, I, I don't know, I'm, like, torn on it. I I know I've, like, contradicted myself in terms of my opinions on this podcast before, but 23 years does feel like a long time for a crime committed in your early 20s. So, it's like... Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it's a significant portion of your life, but on the other hand you're getting out like before you turn 50 and you and if you live long i like that's you know you get a good portion of of your life back mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know it's one of those like thinking back to what is the um uh purpose of prison right you know and is it a permanent timeout? is it so you learn your lesson and don't do it again if so then that does that mean you need to be able to re-enter society one day and prove that you've learned your lesson um some some people are like well you took xyz like this person could have lived another 50 years so you should go for 50 years like well mary Oder was 60 how many years did she have left? I don't know. 23, maybe. Um, well, the argument could be made. It's like they, these people will, will never get their family member back. So, like, mm-hmm. why do you get to return? But I would argue after you spend time in prison, you don't get to go back to regular life ever. And yeah. you're forever. That's fall around. And, yeah, what are you supposed to do? Like, 
get a job once you get I mean mm-hmm. yeah but like that's gonna I don't know yeah you're exactly right where it's like okay what what is the point of prison mm-hmm. yeah um so that is where I thought I was going to be ending my case but when you search Caitlin Conley um one of the first things that comes up is free it's hard to ignore a website that says freecaitlinconley.com after you go through a case like this. Especially since, like... Wait, 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 wait. I have a question. Yeah? Was she, like, conventionally attractive? Um, to me? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't... You could look her up. You tell me. Okay. What do you think? I don't think... She's not an ugly uh, person. I'll look it up. My hands are covered in sand. I'm playing with a sand slime, so I probably shouldn't touch my phone. She's like five. <laughs> it's my latest obsession. I can't stop. I does it help with stress? Yes, because I'm very yeah. stressed right now. <laughs> um, no, but I was just curious. I, in my opinion, if it was like a young, attractive, twenty-something who went to prison, that people would be more likely that that's my theory before mm-hmm. you even say anything but well i mean i like i don't she's not an ugly person you know so good okay. for her um okay so there is so yeah this website 99 percent of the time when we google people for our cases like i've never really seen a whole website declaring their innocence unless we're doing specifically like, specifically like, like wrongfully convicted suspect type of um conviction uh cases and so i had to go into this website and so it is basically a strong uh, campaign in support of caitlin Conley's innocence um and this campaign seems to be all over the internet like all sorts of social media websites um seem to have a strong presence or um support of caitlin Conley's innocence in one way or another among the alleged supporters of Caitlin's innocence are Sally Bakert, Janine King, and Sharon Mills. Who are these women, you ask? Great question, Rachel. Um, they're Mary Yoder's sisters. Um, and so it looks to me that either one of the sisters or all three of those sisters are actually um, very active on the site. Um, there's like a whole section, I think it seems to be written specifically by the sisters. There's also an open letter by one of the sisters to another one of the sisters who's not part of the three. So it looks like there's five. Dang. Total. That's a lot um, of sisters. You've, you have a lot of sisters. <laughs> yeah, only two. And that's like a lot. Um, so the website basically outlines pieces of quote the story that wasn't told and so there's a lot of different details that as i was reading um i texted rachel that i found a website that just opened a whole can of worms that really does open a whole can of worms um Hmm. and i find it all kind of compelling to uh one degree or some sense um i i thought it was I was like, hmm, maybe Caitlin didn't do it. I don't know. Um, and so I'll kind of just go through some of the highlights that really stood out to me. But I recommend Google the case. Look up CaitlinYoder.com or Kate, what's her name? Caitlin. 
freecaitlincomley.com. Um, take a look at yourself. Make up your own mind. Um, or don't make up your mind. It's not your job to have an opinion. Um, <clears throat> so first, let's talk about Bill. The website seems to allege a lot of suspicious behavior on Bill's part. Hmm. One fact that does not come to light during the case, I don't think, but does seem to be pretty prominent on the website is I mentioned there was another sister who's not included in the three that are in support of this website. Oh, is she dating Bill? She was having an affair with Bill while Bill was married to Mary. Awkward. Um, very. Um, and so that already is kind of like, weird. Not, not good. That said, affair does not a murderer make. So, no. you know. Um, I don't know. If you're going to cheat on someone with their sister, that makes me think that you're more likely to be a killer. If you cheated on me with my sister, you're definitely a serial killer. Um, I... Uh, yeah, hasn't come up for me yet. <laughs> But no, that would just be oh, that would just be such a betrayal on yeah on so, so many, many levels. levels. It's like I don't I wouldn't even know who to be mad at more. Like probably my sister. Oh, hundred um, percent, my sister. But like, yeah, um, crazy. Anyway, so Bill, another uh, piece that was brought up was that Bill and Mary were um, extremely in debt. And it, this was something that was top of mind. Bill had previously said that they did not have enough money to retire. They had no savings. Um, but right before Mary um, died, Bill had come into an inheritance and he had told one of his daughters that it was a lot of money, but it was only enough for one person to retire on. Hmm. Um, there were also some inconsistencies with Bill's statements versus other evidence um, that were brought forward. And so one thing that is brought up on the website is that Bill said that Mary was extremely ill when he brought her to the hospital. <clears throat> but according to the website, the medical records say that she was actually brought in in stable condition and she was only admitted so that she could be rehydrated um, and so that they could observe her because she was vomiting and had diarrhea the night before, which makes you lose fluids, mm-hmm. um, which is very like a, kind of a opposite of what, you know, Bill was saying, like this, she was in touch and go critical condition. We needed to run her, rush her to the hospital. But why, why would if he wanted her to die, why would he bring her to the hospital before she absolutely needed to? I don't know. That doesn't make sense. Um, so other things that came up is that Bill left the hospital right before Mary's condition took a turn for the worst. So it was like she was getting stable and then suddenly it just takes a turn for the worst. Bill is, I guess, one of the only people who were at the hospital with her. Leaves suddenly who hits the fan. Um, but then during that time period, he stopped answering the phone and would not get on the phone with any of her sisters when they were trying to get updates. And so they found that to be suspicious as well. Another thing that came up was the rushed cremation. Um, uh, Mary's, mm-hmm. Mary's sisters and mother weren't made aware of the crem- cremation despite being nearby. Um, and they spoke with the funeral director who said that both Bill and Adam came in 
and it was, I guess, implied that it was unusual. I don't know if it comes from the funeral director who felt like it was unusual or what, but they came in and they were all business. They were like, here's what we want. We want a cremation. They were out. They were in and out in under 30 minutes, which mm-hmm. I guess typically people come in and it's much more of a to-do, especially with a loved one who just like mm-hmm. hours before or, you know, a day before whatever died. Um, and so the next thing that was also brought up was that for three months, the Yoders actually refused to talk to the police. And it wasn't until one of the sisters she caught wind of what might have actually caused Mary's death. Um, Like, I guess the medical examiner was, like, just doing their own investigation. It wasn't like the family was pushing to find out more, like, wait, do more tests, whatever. Um, That when the sister, I guess, learned that it possibly, I guess, could have been poisoning, that she's the one who then called the police Mm -hmm. um, to initiate an investigation. Um, another thing that is brought up is that there's actually no evidence that Mary had a shake for lunch that day, which is how prosecutors say that Mary was killed. Bill testifies multiple times that uh, Mary had a shake for lunch and no dinner. But according to Mer- medical reports, Mary told the doctors that that day all she had was a protein bar for lunch and then she ate grilled chicken for dinner that night with Bill. Um, And so while testifying, Bill kind of undermines that piece of information in the medical report by saying Mary actually hated protein bars and there was no way that she would ever eat them, despite Mary actually selling um, uh, protein bars as part of her business, and she promoted them pretty heavily. Um, Other claims on the site... Uh, is basically, I guess it sets up that Bill and Adam, Bill and Adam framed Caitlin deliberately. Um, one detail that's added is that Adam actually owed Caitlin twenty thousand um, dollars. Don't know the details around that. I, it's a lot of stuff. I didn't read too deeply. Um, <laughs> go on the website. That's a lot uh, of money for twenty-two-year-olds. Also, have to give. Yeah. Um, Who would give that to a twenty-two-year-old? Other weird things is that Bill had Caitlin on their family cell phone plan, and Caitlin and Adam actually shared an Apple ID account, which if you think about it, kind of makes a little bit of sense as to why he would have his ex-girlfriend's phone backed up on his computer. But Mm -hmm. then it starts to make you think, well, all of the evidence that they didn't have in the first trial, that they found in the second trial, and that six months before the second trial um, began came from the cloud that was accessed through Adam's laptop. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, well, then that just now, it's like, okay, before we're saying these are all connected to devices or whatever, or sorry, the Mr. Adam Yoder 1990 Gmail address um, are all connected to devices that are linked to Amy, not Amy, who's Amy? God, Caitlin. <laughs> Caitlin's um, phone, and like they've only touched those devices effectively. But you're getting it from a cloud connected to somebody else's computer who had clear access and shared the same Apple ID account with mm-hmm. that person. Um, which, especially with things like the notes, um, like it's like that's how notes would be saved or backed up right through an apple mm-hmm. id so then there's just kind of hmm well, really weird going back to that circumstantial stuff um 
another piece of information um, is that, or that was shared on the site, is that Bill required staff to keep their phones in a room behind reception behind the reception area while they were at work, including Caitlin. So all staff had to keep their phone in one place. And Caitlin allegedly, supposedly, did not have a password on her phone, which I actually find really hard to believe. I kind of find that insane that somebody did not somebody with a with a iphone didn't have a password <laughs> on their phone and maybe that's just my own bias i just wait what year was this again uh 2015 uh, okay i was gonna say i feel like i'm thinking back to like college and i feel like it was a more of a thing back then to like steal someone's phone because i feel like i didn't automatic but maybe i was just young and stupid I feel like we stole more people's phones and like posted stupid stuff on their Facebook because people didn't have passwords versus nowadays. It's like, I don't know. Well, I just feel like my thought process is more like, well, in the event that you lose your phone, right? You don't want just somebody to just like wipe it and keep your phone. Right. So I don't know. I find that weird. Um, Maybe she's just a really trusting person. I also like people from small towns live different. <laughs> like they do. Very stars hollow, trusting. Walk through the front door, don't knock. <laughs> like, um, my knowledge of small towns is only based on Gilmore Girls. So yeah. Um, another thing that was listed that I, I found this piece to kind of feel a little comical and like I wouldn't use this as like evidence but whatever um, is that the website says that Bill had um, intelligence training from the army and that Adam was an A was like a straight A student in computer science except for one B a B plus that he had um, and like they were used to using VPNs and so they potentially I guess like the suggesting that they VPNed into like um, the computers at work to get the letter written to then make it look like it was done on the work computers I'm All like very high tech stuff. I mean, I VPN in every day. I don't know how to do anything, but like whatever. Um, well, I have VPN. Could I set it up on my own? Likely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, for like that, just felt like it was like I don't see. It was like it felt like a throwaway kind of like just piece of oh they're good at computers so they could have done all this mm-hmm. hacky stuff. And again, we're talking 2015. Like we're not talking like. 1990 and like things yeah, were Yeah, would you not of... be able to tell even if someone accessed something from a VPN? I don't know. I, I don't know. I Like if I log into like a work VPN, does it say I'm at work? Like physically at that? Well. Or like to that computer? I'm not sure, but I do recall. I remember once I was at work and I was seeing a research participant and we, this was back at our old job and um the participant was like at the desk and there was a computer there but they were doing like physical questionnaires on paper and suddenly the computer turns on somebody is typing remotely logs in like starts clicking that that is uh, yeah at at my old job that was some people connected 
yeah, remotely. either like remotely through VPN or like if they had software physically installed mm-hmm. on their computer that they wanted to use, they yeah. would have to like do and it that so way. We and so yeah, people can access their desktops that way, and I know it's especially popular to do that in healthcare settings so that like it's all staying on network even so that you're not connecting necessarily like nothing can potentially be saved on your computer's hard drive right Mm. and so it's like is can you tell that in particular if a document was being typed remotely through like a desktop that's on site at the medical facility could you tell that it was accessing I don't know. And then you you listen to all those podcasts that have like the expressive VPN, um, like uh, ads that are like hide where you are or watch shows in yeah Belgium. (laughs) Like sure. Um, Oh wait, we should use that to watch the new Dairy Girls. I saw that it's out in other places, but not here. We should get a VPN. (laughs) Hey, ExpressVPN. Give us free podcast. Give us free access and we'll everyone know what it's like. (laughs) Um, okay, so then um just a few more things that I will share. Um I'm actually gonna read this bit. The next thing we're gonna talk about is colchicine. Um this relates back a little bit to something else that I had previously said. I don't remember what it was exactly, but it'll no, it'll maybe it'll it'll come to me. But so I'm just going to read this directly from the site. Um, it says colchicine is most commonly known f- uh, as a medication for gout, but in its more concentrated form, is used as an agriculture to it, no sorry used in agriculture to enhance crop growth. It is also used as an agent to grow highly potent marijuana. Oh, this is THC. THC, you're right. <laughs> um, okay, so mar- it says marijuana seeds treated with colchicine undergo a genetic mutation that yields all female plants with extremely high levels of THC. We sisters had firsthand knowledge that in the 1980s, Bill grew a crop of weed, ki- or sorry, of killer weed quote killer weed um like killer like killer <laughs> yeah or like killer the first one it says <laughs> that's what we called it because it was so potent we knew of the process he used because mary described it to us we were not familiar with the name colchicine but we knew that he had treated the seeds with a chemical substance that genetically altered them to produce all female plants Mary referred uh, to this as Bill's, quote, special process. After many hours of research, (laughs) after many hours of research with several people helping, we were unable to find a method of marijuana growing like the one she described that does not involve colchicine. Keep in mind that Bill actually testified at one point that he had never heard of colchicine. Um, originally, so the three suspects in the beginning, prior to the grand jury, were Bill, Adam, and Caitlin. Adam and Bill uh, got, like, immunity or something to testify. Um, and in Bill had one six-hour interview with 
police that was never released like no tapes or records or whatever i guess were released but after that interview in particular he was no longer considered a suspect um and so all of these different things they're kind of like this is really weird the last um the last thing related to all of this is that mary had enough colchicine in her system based on that blood test to kill 15 people and so they argue that if she had that dosage she got that dosage on the 20th there's no reason that she would have survived until the 22nd there's no reason that she would have been stable and like ebbed and flowed in and out of like cardiac arrest and you know at first they were they admitted her just for rehydration if mm-hmm. she had that much of a concentrated amount of colchicine in her system from the beginning. So the sisters argue that, um, or at least whoever wrote the website argues that Mary was dosed multiple times. Um, and they also suggest, so keeping in mind that Bill's like, she only had a shake. She hadn't had anything else before going to the hospital, but Mary allegedly saying to doctors that she'd had dinner with Bill, she had chicken or whatever, um, like potentially these were other opportunities that Bill had to poison her. And then he possibly, or at least they suggest that he may have administered a final dose sometime when he was in the hospital or when she was in the hospital right before leaving and then not being able to be contacted during that time period when she took a turn for the worst. Hmm. So, um, on the strength of a lot of, I guess, doubt, um, I think Caitlin and her attorneys have filed multiple appeals, all of which have been applied or sorry, denied. Um, I think the last appeal, I think she might've used up her last appeal. I don't really know how the appeals process works. Like you only get a certain amount or whatever. Uh Um, but yeah, she is still behind bars, um, legally guilty despite, uh, whatever potential doubts there may be, um, to her guilt. Um, that's my case. Wow. I did not see things going in that direction at all. <laughs> and now I feel bad again. <laughs> um, I mean, you're, you're... I think further investigation's warranted, but there's not much that, that can be done, and it's just it's not looking so good for Bill. It's, I, honestly, it's looking worse for Caitlin. <laughs> yes, but... I, I question... Caitlin's guilt Mm -hmm. so that's sad if she is innocent and in prison yeah a quote from Caitlin Conley on the website says it is hard to know that I am innocent and still feel feel like people want me to be guilty I mean if you are innocent it really sucks Um, legally you are guilty which also sucks if you didn't do it Um, if other people did do it and they are walking free um that really equally if not more sucks um Mm -hmm. all around just not a good time yeah not a good time but yeah i was very i was like oh oh man i have to now i gotta dig into this website (laughs) like there's a lot more here (laughs) um but i mean it is a wild kind of idea like in some ways and like is 
as pretty of a picture as it is, like, oh, she had this, you know, here's this, she had this toxic relationship with this guy, woman scorned, what an easy cop out. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess yeah, it's unhinged, how, kills his mom, but like, why not kill him? How likely is it that a person is going to kill someone's parent versus a spouse is going to kill their partner? Yeah. Statistically, and like, of course, statistics cannot be applied in individual situations, but you statistically. <laughs> I mean, they can, but you can't use that in court. You can't say mm-hmm. it's more likely that they were killed by this person. Um, but yeah, it sounds it sounds like they shouldn't have freaking cremated the body so fast and should have done some more investigation. But why was it cremated? Because of Bill. So it's not, I don't know. I think I'm I'm leaning in the direction of, of his guilt. Are you? Hmm. Yeah. Which you means hate. that this episode is no longer eligible for our podcast, so please <sighs> remove it, delete it entirely. Delete the files. Yeah, Sorry. just delete it. It's done. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have... I, I don't know. I'm very, like... It could be... I think both are... Whichever, you know, route you want to go down. Like, the clear-cut case that was laid out by prosecution versus this, like, super in-depth website um, and, like, these other, like, facts that come up, I think either one are both extremely circumstantial and, like, try as we might unless somebody comes forward and it's like, here's what I did, exactly how I did it, I swear to God, I'm telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Like, we're never gonna, I don't think we're ever gonna be, like, very close to the truth. Um... No. Yeah. So. No, unless there's retroactively, unless they could provide more information about. Well, that alone you would think would be credible information for a trial if it wasn't physically possible for someone to consume that much in one sitting and the progression, too, of the illness. Mm-hmm. But, well, also, too, we have to consider that this website is. Is it 100% accurate? Exactly. I would hope that what's said in the courtroom is 100% accurate. That it, it might not be either, but I feel like I'm more trusting of what goes down in a courtroom than what happens on a website. So perhaps there is misinformation or stretching of the truth. But you would think that if somebody's sisters came for me to defend... If my sister was killed by someone, and for me to have to turn around and defend that person, I would have to be, like, pretty convinced mm-hmm. of their... Like, I would probably have to have zero doubt in my mind and, like, very much trust that person to be willing to go against the verdict. So, yeah. maybe that says a lot about Bill. Maybe. Maybe he wasn't a good guy, and... I don't know. Very, very crazy. If you guys, you know, if y'all y'all know more about this than we do. If you have any thoughts, opinions, comments, concerns. Yeah. Or, know. you know, Caitlin, if you want to come on the pod from prison. <laughs> Just kidding. Please don't call us. <laughs> oh, my God. That was... Katie suggested that we, could, like, talk with people who have been 
in prison. I'm like, Katie, who would want to talk to me? <laughs> yeah, don't talk to me. I'm good. <laughs> Please, yes, I, I do enough talking. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, great episode. Um, if you haven't already, go out and watch Miracle in Lane Two. Uh, film about uh, Justin Yoder, starring Frankie Muniz. <laughs> Frankie Muniz, low key. It's kind of weird now. For sure. You know, he has, like, no memory. He has no memory of Malcolm in the Middle or, like, his acting career. <laughs> why? Was he, like, on drugs? No, like, he... Or he just kind of Why would out? you just go straight to drugs? I don't know. Gosh, no. I think he has some sort of, like, um, like, health, like, um, oh. uh, I think he, like, had, like, a stroke or something. Um, and, like, mm. it just, like, wiped that. I see. I just, yeah. I saw, I got, like, an Instagram advertisement from him, like, advertising some gambling game. And I'm like, my guy, don't, don't do this. Mm-hmm. This is shady, shady, but I don't, maybe he needs some money. Maybe. But he was, like, the it, the it guy of... I I just recently watched a YouTube video like that looked at uh, Big Fat Liar. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that movie. I didn't really watch it. It scared me. Moving on. Why did it scare you? Because somebody was blue in it, and I had a very big issue with people not being human colors. <laughs> I guess it was an interesting movie. That was like Amanda Bynes' first movie, I mm-hmm. think. They said it was supposed to be Lindsay Lohan, but she ended up not not going with it. So that's when Amanda really came on the scene. Mm. Did I did I cover Amanda Bynes on this podcast? I think so. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. R.I.P. I, I think I her, did. Her, her acting career. She's going through right now, man. She just came out with some like rap songs. Okay. On that note, <laughs> this episode is over. <laughs> rap songs. I'll do another one about the crime of coming out with terrible rap music. Oh gosh. Do you have a favorite rapper, uh, Rachel? Are you a good judge of good rap? No. Who's your favorite rapper? Childish Gambino. I mean, that's an answer. Is it the right one? I don't know. I used to have like I still. I was just thinking. I like have a bunch of songs memorized, but I re- I really am not a huge rap person, so. Bad baby, who? That's the girl from uh, Doctor Phil. Catch me outside. How about that? <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> um, maybe I wonder if she's committed any crimes. <laughs> Yo, we should do an episode on Bad Baby. Let's I don't not know call she... her that. What's her but... name? <laughs> I think it's Danielle. I have no idea. Well, she did get sent to that, like, Dr. Phil shady residential treatment. I, you know what? I'm inspired. Silly me for typing in bad baby spelled normally, because obviously there'd be extra, there'd be H's in here. I definitely thought her name was Bad Barbie for the longest time, because I can't read, but it's bad baby. Yeah. Uh, Danielle Brigoli. Catch me outside. Um, How about that? Okay, don't do that. Huh? Um, <laughs> okay, bye everybody. <laughs> <laughs>
Our music is the track Wasteland by Joseph McDade. His Patreon and our podcast sources will be linked in the podcast description below. Any mistakes are entirely our own, so check out our wonderful sources for the most accurate information about these cases. We talk about some tough subject matter on our show. If you or someone you love is in need of support, please reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting HOME to 741741. They are available 24-7 and will connect you with a trained crisis counselor. You can also reach the National Domestic Violence Hotline by calling 1-800-799-7233. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Join us next week for another episode of Pink Collar, a true crime podcast.